Our kids are headed to their worship time together. I um, want to share a little miracle that happened last week. We, I told you last week's you know, message, um, I had had a message prepared, and in that message I wanted to end by talking a little bit about uh, Life Venture, Hope Venture Ministries with Rosa in Uspakistan and the, uh, did I say that right? Kyrgyzstan. I knew I didn't get that right. In Kyrgyzstan, all, one of those stands, and, um, and how, you know, we wanted to follow through with the commitment we made to her, and then the Lord changed that, and, and that message was different, so I didn't share that. But then last week, the message seemed to lead in, and I wanted, I wanted to be the one to kind of share where I stood as the pastor and our support of missions and, and what we're doing in missions and, and how I love what we do with missions. But didn't really get into any big specifics about things. I just wanted to be a reminder of that. Well, as of really Sunday by 7 o'clock that evening, um, $5,400 had come in from people that the... Yes, yes. We didn't ask for anything that day. We didn't, just people felt that the Holy Spirit was speaking to them to say, give to this. So then our elders met Monday night, and we said, this is the challenge. The Lord is challenging our church. If God spoke to these people, and that's what came in with really no plea whatsoever, the Lord is challenging us. So we've set a goal. We're already $5,400 toward that goal of 10000 And we believe with all of our hearts that we can do this. So I'm just wetting your whistle. There you'll see more to come. But we believe God has challenged us to do this. And that was unanimous with our elders. We truly felt like, okay, God, we got the picture. We got to do something. This morning, um, one of our missions team members came to me and said, so I already have people saying, who am I supposed to write a check to? So there's already people even this morning. This week, we found another church. Dylan, I said it was Dylan's idea. Dylan, we've got a church that's interested in hearing about Rose's mission because they're looking for another mission to support. And so our missions team is going to be talking with them and sharing her, her ministry there. So Already, people are really wanting to be a big part of this, jumping on board. So here's the deal. If you write anything on an envelope or on your check that says missions or Rosa, we'll get it to Rosa, okay? We will make sure that that's where that goes. Even if it's just, you just put Rosa, we'll, be, we'll know that's where that goes. And so you can already begin giving, and we'll give you weekly updates. I got some really good ideas of how we're going to do that uh, to show you where we're at in reaching this goal uh, for this ministry. I'm excited about it. I'm thrilled about it. And so God's already done, is continuing to do great things through us in our church, in our church on the other side of the globe. It's our church. All right. So I want to share that with you. Also, uh, we had a person that had a really great idea and you'll see a chalkboard in the back and it just says, what is God's dream for you? And um, you do not have to sign your name, or you may sign your name. It's up to you. But there are chalk markers back there, and we'd love for you to just write, I believe God is, you know, the dream God says for me is to, you know, work with kids. 
be a prayer warrior, be a missionary, I don't know. Whatever you feel God's dream is for you, write it on that board so that all of us can join in prayer together, praying for you for that dream that God has called you to, that plan. So feel free to write it on there. I have envisioned this, that there's going to be so much writing on there, you're not going to be able to read any of them. But God can read them all and knows. And so that's the plan. Just go back and start writing in there your, what you believe God's dream or plan is and how then we can join in prayer for you on that. One last little thing I want to share, and again, this is just getting your, you know, just a, a tidbit of this. Um, we got some great plans for Easter. You're going to hear all about that. But the Sunday following Easter, all ministries of Lexington Church of Christ will be open and operating 100%. Yes. Sunday school, nursery, every ministry. Um, we will still section off one section of our sanctuary for those of you who want to still social distance some, but the rest of the ropes are coming down. Okay? So. Thank you. Have you ever been at the bottom of a pit? Now, some people are very positive people. You know that even in the bottom of a pit, they can find some good. Like those two men who went in business of snake hunting. $100 a snake. Not a job I would do for a million dollars a snake. There's only two kinds of snakes I don't like, live ones and dead ones. So I could not do this job. So they're out hunting and not really finding much, and one of them slips, and he's falling, and he grabs his partner, and they both fall into this pit that's full of snakes. Now, some of you may be like the man that looked and said, we're dead, and the others may be very positive who looked, and he said, we're rich. I don't know. If you're like me, I don't like living in the bottom of a pit. But I guarantee that every person in this room has either, at one time in their life, been in the darkest place, or maybe you're going through that right now, and if you've not been there and you're not going through it, you will someday. None of us are exempt from that pit experience. And even in my short time, of being here with pastor, I knew the junk that was in my past. I knew what hard times I had gone through and, and rough, rocky roads to get to this beautiful place that God has, has brought us to. But as I speak with many of you, I realize it's not just me. We're all screwed up. You've got some major issues too. Some of you are going through some of the darkest times in your life right now. And some of the prayer times that I've been having in my office and in homes have been some of the most powerful times because I think in our darkest moments is when we really learn how to pray and seek the Lord. Well, Joseph comes to this place where his brothers throw him in this pit. If you'll look with me, let's go to Genesis chapter 37. Last week we read 1 through 11. I want to pick right up at verse number 12. Genesis 37, 12. And I'm going to read through 36, so a little bit more scripture today, but we need the whole story. So Genesis 
37, starting at verse number 12. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are going to, going, uh, grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I am going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. There's an, one of those, I don't believe in irony, so one of those little God moments later in this sermon. Just remember Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan, but they saw him in the distance, and before, they re, before he reached them, they planned to kill him, plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, praise the Lord for Reuben, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Do not shed any blood. Throw him into this cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed, so when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes, which was a custom in those days. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy isn't there. Where can I turn now? Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. Notice they don't say, Our brother. Your son. Your son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely... Oh, he recognized it and said, Yes, it is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth, sackcloth and mourned, for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I'm in mourning. I will, uh, in mourning, I will go down to the grave to my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Potiphar's officials, the captain of the guard. And that's going to pick up at next week's sermon there. Today, I want to talk about those pit experiences, those times when we're in the darkness, those times when we cannot get any lower. Maybe that's because of situations in your life, uh, a loss of job, loss of a, of a family member and death. 
uh, loss of a relationship. Um, maybe it's because you've lost a, a, something that's been very important to you. Maybe it's because of illness or disease. Maybe your health has caused you to feel like you're living in the darkness of that pit. Maybe it is because of um, something that's going on with someone you love. Maybe it's financial difficulties. Maybe it's even the church. Something has happened that's caused you to feel like you're living in the darkest place in this pit. And there are several things that I believe we learn in the life of Joseph as he was in that pit experience that we need to adapt into our lives today. So look with me. Let's look at these lessons that we learn. The first lesson that I believe Joseph's Joseph's life teaches us in this story is this. Don't despair in the darkness. Despair is the absolute opposite of hope. It's the absolute opposite. Most people live in despair, have no hope. There's a great little book written by Al Donaldson, a a minister that's called You Can Hope Again. And in this book, he tells the story of an S-4 submarine. It had been rammed by another ship and it sunk to the bottom of the sea just off the coast of Massachusetts. There was no way to get the, the people on that submarine out. And while they're gasping for air, literally to, to live every second that they can, scuba divers had gone down and were listening as close as they could to see if any life was still left. And one person was tapping in Morris code and asking questions to the scuba diver. When they thought no one was still alive, they, after several minutes, they finally heard one last Morris code question. Is there any hope? Isn't that the question that we have been asking since the fall of man in the garden? People live their lives wondering, is there any hope? Now, we use that word kind of flippantly, you know. uh, Well, I, I certainly hope so. No, that's more of a wish, isn't it? Hope is something greater than that. But we place our hope in so many of the wrong things in life. Let's face it, in the last three months, maybe six months, we have certainly seen that we cannot place our hope in government. Now, most people have known that all their lives. It's just becoming more and more reality. But how many have really lived their lives living on the hope that our government's going to bail us out and protect us and do all these things that we need? Or what about friendships, relationships, my family? I'm going to tell you, every person in this room, every person in your family, every person on the planet will fail you. And you will fail others. No one is perfect. And if your hope is found in other people, you're going to lose your hope because they're going to fail you and they're going to let you down. What if it's in our military strength? There will always be someone who's trying to beat us, someone who's trying to defeat us. What if it's in money and material things? Well, then when you don't have those things, you've lost your hope. As soon as those things are removed from you. And just last night, 
I was up here at the church and I was heading home and I'm kind of preaching this sermon in my head and I added this one in. What about the church? You don't know how many people that I've talked to in my life that have said, oh, I used to go to church and I loved being in church. I was really involved in church, but the church hurt me and I will never go back. They disappointed me. I had a lot of hope in that church and, and, and they, they just didn't live up to my expectations. I remember one man saying that to me. This was a man that had had uh, Indianapolis Colts season tickets for like 20 years. And every year he tried to get better seats and better seats. And so he was just a huge Indianapolis Colts fan. So uh, one year they had lost in the AFC championship game to the New England Patriots. And Peyton Manning probably played the worst game of his life. And this man was using all the exact same words. He's just really disappointed me. He really let me down. And I said, well, I'm glad to take your tickets. I'm sorry for you. What do you mean? Well, you know, when the church let you down, you quit church. So the Colts let you down. I guess you'll never go to another game again, right? What an excuse to not come to church. Guess what? The church will let you down. As a pastor... I'm going to let you down. People in this room, elders, leaders, our board, they're going to let you down. They're going to let each other down. You're going to let me down because we're people. Get over it. Because if your hope is in me or anybody else in this room, you're going to lose hope. Our hope is only found in Jesus Christ and him only. That is the only place for true hope hope. And I will stop right now because there are people in this room who don't know Jesus Christ and they're living their lives looking for hope. They're in despair, the opposite of hope. And I will quit preaching and I will get out of your way if you want to know Jesus right now. Nothing more important could happen than you coming to know Jesus Christ, accepting him into your life as your savior, making him the Lord of your life receiving the forgiveness of your sins and being filled with the hope that he brings. I'll get out of your way. Hope is only found in Jesus and in him only. Quit searching for hope and everything else because it only leads to the darkness of despair. The despair in a pit. I believe there's another lesson that we can learn. Another lesson that we can learn is this, that Joseph says uh, his story, don't despair in the darkness. And then he's, he would tell us this, don't neglect your call in the darkness. You know, when we're in the bottom of the pit is the perfect time you feel like giving up. When you're in a dark, desperate place, that's the time when you say, I can't do this anymore. I quit. Most people quit. Um, you know, a lot of pastors, we all have our, you know, pastor jokes that we tell each other. And, you know, one is how every pastor feels like resigning and going and washing cars for a living every Sunday night. You know, that's what pastors feel like on Sunday nights, you know. Um, I gave that up a long time ago because really as soon as I leave here on Sunday, I'm already thinking about how excited I am to be back next Sunday, you know. I'm physically tired and exhausted, but man, spiritually, I can't wait to be back. But most people, when they're tired, when they're in that darkness, when they're in that place of the pit, is the place where they say, I quit. I'm not going to do this anymore. 
I'm not going to do what God has called me to do. You know my background and know some of the junk I've had to live with and some of the things I've gone through. And, and boy, I'll admit, you know, I, I had my share of times that were my fault that I was there. But there was a season we were going through, and, and it was the larger church that I pastored. And, boy, I felt like I was in the bottom of a pit. I really did. You know, it's one thing when you're pastoring and you, you can't get support. It's another thing when you're not getting support and people are working against you. You know, I mean, that, and that's what we had. And so um, I, I kind of started then thinking, well, you know, Lord, I taught school for a few years, got a degree in education. Maybe I should just go teach school. Or, Lord, you know, you, you've had me do management and those kinds of things. Maybe I should. Or do you have even a different career for me in mind? Maybe now is the time. I even got to the point of saying, well, Lord, maybe I'm just no good at this at all. Maybe I should just go be an associate with another pastor and learn how to do this better. What is it that you want me to do? Because I'll be honest with you, Lord, I'm ready to quit. So I went to two people that I have a ton of confidence in, and I asked them, I said, over the next few days, I want you to pray for me. One was my wife. (laughs) Can I tell you just how lucky I am to have my wife? Uh, Her encouragement, her spirit, her love's good too. Uh, You know, her motivating me, even correcting me, she was just called to be a pastor's wife. I mean, she really was. And she, she's just great for me. I, I really love my wife. And um, she was one. I'm like, I need you to really pray. And I gave her some specifics. The other pastor named Bruce, Bruce and I were in seminary together. We're kind of accountability partners. Uh, we're always checking in on each other to make sure we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, living the life we're supposed to live. And I asked Bruce, would you pray for me as well? And so um, as custom, I like to go up to the church on Saturday nights, sometimes late, and I'll preach through my sermon. And that night, I never made it into the sanctuary to preach through my sermon. I was just sitting in my office and thinking, you know, how soon am I going to quit? I'm, I'm done. And I was reading in Ephesians and the part about the spiritual armor. But right before the spiritual armor section, Paul says this. He says, and when you've done all you can do to stand... Then there's two words. He says, then stand. Just stand. And it was as if the Lord said to me, when you've done all you can do to preach, then just preach. Just preach. And I'm like, Lord, is, is that you? Just preach. Lord, I think I'm getting a message. Just preach. So I went home. Michelle was still up. It was late, but she was still up. And she said, you know, I've been really praying about this and really thinking about what you asked me. And the only thing I get from the Lord is, I think he just wants you to just preach. Okay. So the next morning I go in and checked my emails and it was my buddy Bruce. He said, I don't know really what this means. And I, I'm just going to encourage you until God tells you to do something different, just preach. So I just preached. And you know, it was during that dark pit season that the Lord gave me some of the very best messages to deliver that I was ever in my life delivering. And do you know, that was also the time that the Lord kind of opened up this story of Joseph to me. And he says, I've got a dream for you. I've got a dream. Are you going to live out my dream or are you going to quit? Don't neglect what God has called you to do. Another way to say it is don't quit in the pit. You know, there's your slogan. Don't quit in the bottom of the pit. Don't do it. Just keep doing what God 
has called you to do. I'm sure Joseph felt like I should have never told that dream to my brothers. I should have just kept my mouth shut. Maybe it wasn't a dream after all. Maybe it was bad lamb. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't have done it. No, he never quit. Even when he was in that pit, he never cried out to his brothers to say, I'm sorry, forgive me. I made it all up. I won't ever say anything again. No, he did not quit what God had called him to do, even though he'd been thrown into that pit, had no clue how he would escape, where he would go from there. He didn't do it. Don't despair in the darkness. Don't neglect your call. And this one, I messed up on the notes, giving it to Becky and in the bulletin. So you'll need to add a word. That's my fault. Don't become discouraged about time, about time in the darkness. Is that, well, yeah, kind of. That's what I gave her. But don't be discouraged about the time, okay? God has a perfect time. He has a perfect plan. God is never too early. God is never late. He always has a perfect time. We are not like that. I know people who would say, When's the right time? And they would say never. They procrastinate about everything. And so they're nev- never is the right time. And then there are others, any time is the right time. They're ready to do anything, anytime. But it has to be God's time. You know, think about this, that, that when God spoke to me, when I was still working in a secular job, and I'm on my way to work one day that he basically talks to me to the point that I have to pull my car over. It shook me up so bad and spend some time with the Lord and saying, I did not call you to do this. I called you to preach. And when are you going to get busy about doing that? Do you know if, if it had been my time that Sunday, I would have been preaching in a pulpit three and a half years ago. God knew, and I believe this with all of my heart, hope, hope you do as well, that this was the place that God wanted me to be the pastor of and preaching. And you didn't want me then because you had a pastor that you love. God's timing is absolutely perfect. I wanted to rush the job. And God was no. And then I know a lot of people that, well, yeah, someday, 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 someday never comes. Don't get discouraged about time. You know, I remember, do you remember when, um, and, and I told you there was a little ironic thing about this. Do you remember the story when Elisha was being attacked uh, by the king of Aram? Um, yes, king of, of Aram. And they had totally surrounded. Do you know what town um, Elisha was in when the king of Aram had surrounded him? Dothan. And so he's in Dothan, and this, you know, here's this same spot that Joseph gets thrown into a pit, and he's there, and all of the men, God's men, the entire Hebrew nation felt like they were probably in a pit too, because here's this powerful nation that has surrounded them, ready to attack. And so Elisha is sound asleep, and his servant goes, and he wakes him up, and he says, there are so many. We're totally surrounded. What are we going to do? And do you remember Elisha's words? He says, there are more for us than are against us. And he prayed that the servant's eyes would be opened. And the servant looked and saw thousands upon thousands upon thousands of God's angel army and chariots of fire. Now, I'm sure there was times that those men felt like, when is God going to show up? We're God's people. 
When is he going to get here? Well, he was there. And he was waiting for just the perfect time. You know, Noah was 120 years old before he ever saw a drop of rain. God's got a perfect time. He's got a perfect time. Joseph sat in that pit before he ever made it to the palace in Egypt. God has a perfect time. Remember what Paul said. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So you think you're in a, a pit that's a temporary momentary trial. And it's for God's glory and it will outweigh them all. Well, the last lesson that I believe we can learn from this is don't ever give up, give up on the dream in the darkness. Don't give up. Don't give up. God hasn't. God hasn't given up. I had this great plan. We had the most awesome time at the Dalps this week. We hadn't had a chance to really meet them and get to know them. And so once she felt well enough, we wanted to take a dinner out. And uh, we sat and had dinner with them and laughed. And, and I, man, I love their kids. They just have great kids. And we had a great prayer time together. And Jesse told me this story, you know. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is going in Sunday sermon. And uh, <laughs> she had told me that she likes to listen a lot of times she's walking, getting her exercise when she's listening to our message. And I thought, God, this is so good. She's going to be out walking. She's going to hear me. I'm going to talk about her. Oh, it's going to be awesome. And then she shows up. <laughs> Isn't it good to have the doubts here today? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Some of you may know this, but she shared a story with me that uh, shortly before her diagnosis of cancer, that you ladies here in this church went to a women's retreat. And you had to, they went and saw a speaker, and, and I'm not going to get all the details right, so I'm not going to try, but she said this speaker talked about a person who had gone through horror, just an awful, awful experience. And her response was this, it's okay. I have the Lord with me, and it will be fine. And Jesse said, I felt like the Lord was telling me, Jesse, I want you to be that kind of person. And she said, I want to be that kind of person. And when she was diagnosed, she said, I sat across from a doctor, and the doctor said, I really thought you would take this news much worse. She said, it's okay. The Lord is with me, and I'll be fine. Do you know, Jesse is ministering to other women now who are going through things that she went through, similar to what she went through. Women she's never even met. She's writing to them to encourage them and give them hope through Jesus Christ, a ministry. I would guarantee you that if we could really know the thoughts, there was times she probably felt like giving up. You have to. There's times you just felt like, Lord, I know what your dream is, but I just can't do it. I just cannot do it. And you're in this darkness of despair. Hope is gone. You've been waiting and waiting on waiting on God, and he's not showing up. And you just want to give up. 
God has not given up on you. God is not done with you. God still has a plan and a great dream for you. And that's his plan is for you to fulfill that great dream that he has for you. Don't give up. Don't give up. God hasn't. He's not changed his mind. It's not, okay, you can do this or not, whichever you want to do. No, this is my dream for you. Do it. Go for it. Live it. That's what God is saying to us. It is our time. We cannot give up. We cannot give up. Are you in despair? Have you lost hope? Have you put your hope in the wrong things and, and those things have let you down? That'll continue to happen. Put your hope in Jesus Christ and in him only. Know that he alone can bring you hope. Have you quit what God called you to do? Some of you have gone through such horrible experiences or you're going through it that you just feel like saying, well, I know, God, you called me this, but I quit. I'm not going to do it. Don't quit just because you're in a pit. You may be weary and well-doing, but don't quit. Don't quit. Are you discouraged about time? Do you feel like God's either rushing you or God's really late in showing up? Remember, his time is perfect and ours is not. I mean, even think of that in a physical sense. We can't even get our physical time correct that we got to lose time and gain time. I don't even know how that all works. And, and it's funny that when you're, you live in Florida, Florida people have a definition of why we change time. I, I have friends that are from other countries who laugh at us about it. Um, I have friends like in New York that tell us they have a definition of why. And Indiana tells us the reason we changed time was for the farmers. I don't know who's right. Everybody's got their own reasoning. Yeah. And we add a day to a year every four years. Figure it out. We can't figure it out. God has perfect, perfect timing. He's never early. He's never late. Perfect timing. Trust in God's timing. Ours is not perfect. His is. Have you given up? Have you just had enough? You can't do it anymore. Then it's time to turn to Jesus. Somebody once said, I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. And they said, then grab onto Jesus because his rope's longer. I like that. Sometimes being at the end of the rope is not a bad thing. You can't go any lower. Sometimes being in a pit is not a bad thing. You can't get any deeper or darker. I want to close with this question. And it's really a question that I want you to ask the Lord. Lord, have I journeyed enough through the darkness to fulfill your dream for my life? Have I journeyed enough through the pit? Have I lived in the darkness long enough to fulfill your plan, your dream for my life? Lord Jesus, all of us have gone through dark times. Maybe we're going through them now, and maybe they're ahead of us. But Lord, nothing surprises you. 
I pray this morning that we might find the hope in Jesus Christ and that, Lord, we might truly, truly come to know that you and you alone are our hope, that we should never be discouraged about your time. We just cannot quit or give up. Lord Jesus, please help us to find the strength that we need in you to make it through the pit experience. But Lord, if we've not lived there long enough yet, then give us the strength to continue to live every minute of every day waiting for your hand to lead us into your dream for our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.